Just ready to do this intro? I'm ready. Let's do it. Are we clapping? Oh God, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Broken Art Podcast. My name is Adam, your co-host. Ew, ew, stop it. I drink my bang energy now. I'm Callie Medley, your other co-host. Oh, gross. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Bang Energy. Bang Energy. It's going to help me grade for the next three hours. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter J. <laughs> J as in just existential dread. I'm uh, enjoying my nice decaf coffee because we were recording at 8. Eight uh, in the evening. See, that's like okay. So I'm not. I don't want to offend anyone, but decaf coffee is the same concept to me as like a Coke Zero. You know. Sure. Yeah. Like it. Like people say that you can't taste like the difference between like regular coffee and decaf. I. I if it's an internal thing for me. Like my body is so sensitive to that caffeine that I have a strong like ethical dilemma with drinking decaf. You know, it's taking away like the what it is-ness of what coffee is. I don't know if I would call decaf coffee coffee, Um, but- (laughs) Brown water. (laughs) (laughs) But I am- I'm very small, and so caffeine hits me like a ton of bricks, and uh, I just really like the taste. I I do agree that it changes the taste of coffee. It's not Mm -hmm. quite the same. You don't have that caffeine thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But this way, I love coffee with my desserts, and just like having it with like something sweet at night, and so this is a great way. So I've just been brewing decaf for like everything. How was your week, Callie? Um, it's been okay. I'm working again. You know, it's consistent. I'm working five days a week, putting more than 40 hours in. Wow. Um, so been busy. Oh, also, I need to plug something really quick. Oh, I know what you're plugging because yeah. I like what you're plugging. <laughs> so remember on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, uh, we interviewed my dear friend, Riley Galata. He's a guitarist. He's a musician. He is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when he was here in New York, when we recorded that episode, we decided to also record some songs together. So we are having our little uh, tiny desk knockoff which we're calling it our Tiny Couch series. Oh. <laughs> It'll be part of like my quarantine series on my YouTube channel. But um, that's going to be uh, the first song will be uploaded tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday, it'll be uploaded Saturday. So stay tuned, y'all. Oh follow follow uh, at Callie Medley on anything to, uh, to watch us do some diddles. Oh, my gosh. Callie sent me some videos the other night and oh my gosh, like they sound, you know how you have like some friends that are like, oh yeah, that, that sounds good. Like they actually sound good. And Callie knows cause I'm like 
really honest and mean sometimes. So like, yes, I'm saying a, they're good. No, yeah. Adam's the worst critic that I've ever had. <laughs> like even worse than me, which is really wrong. Uh, but our dear friend, um, Eric Wagner, uh, was our sound engineer and uh, like mixing and mastering. And he made it sound so good when they sent me the bounces. I like, oh, I, I just got so happy. So I'm so excited for everyone to hear. Uh, mm -hmm. Go on and check that out. It'll be every Saturday for the month of October. Yeah, shout out to Eric because it sounds really, yeah, really nice. Editors are those unsung heroes of yes. the industry. So yes. big shout out to big shout out to him. So this week my office has been outside. We've been doing some instrument rental pickups um, since we're online for the foreseeable future, at least, uh, well, hopefully until November. We've had students and their parents like doing like this little drive-through so they can pick up material mm -hmm. and so uh, I've been sitting outside from like 8 to 3 30 the past three days and the, I'm positioned where I can oversee the Lake Superior and the leaves the mm. colors are changing just right and y'all if you've never been to Duluth in fall Oh my gosh. Yeah, the weather's cold, but it looks so good. It looks so good. Making like fun, like little rehearsal videos and stuff and like doing Google Meet videos for like sectionals and stuff. It's a, it's different, but you know, we're getting the kids engaged in any way that we can. Well, you are doing the work of about 20 people. So I mean, all the props to you as a teacher trying to figure this out. <laughs> We're, you know, day by day, we figure it out. And, uh, you know, support, support your teachers, yes. folks. And support your one teachers. more thing before we get started. Ooh. Vote. Vote. Oh, my gosh. It was national vote. Get registered to vote day like what? Yesterday or two days ago? Yesterday, I think. Oh, my gosh. Vote. Do vote. it. No um if your state is already done early voting a lot of them have if you're mailing in your ballot oh my gosh do it yesterday just do it your voice matters so much right now so. mm -hmm. it's so important folks that you do that exercise your civic duty um because sometimes not voting may not hurt you but it may hurt other people yeah process. and and i know all of you millennials like younger millennials and like uh new like gen zers or like oh i'm not that's gonna... us hello yeah they're we're all like we want the clout right it's all about the clout we want and clout. we want to be able to share that little tiny i voted sticker and this year we won't get one sadly but we don't get a sticker this year not if you vote by mail Oh, true. Facts. So Worth it, though. But uh, a quick shout out, uh, not sponsored uh, by CBS or Stephen Colbert. <laughs> uh, but if you type in on Instagram, better know a ballot on the little GIF page thing. They, he, he, Stephen Colbert's team made you an I voted sticker virtually. So you can still have your I voted sticker and still get that clout. Get the clout. Get the clout and cast your vote 
today. Callie. Yes. I am so excited for this week's episode. I'm not, I listen to podcasts, you listen to podcasts. This episode was inspired by one of my favorite, if not my favorite podcast of all time. Uh, besides the Broken Art Podcast, a new episode every Friday, follow us on all the social media. My Brother, My Brother and Me, which stars Griffin, Travis, and Justin McElroy. And that whole niche of them is that they go on to Yahoo Answers or people send them Yahoo Answers and they're really like specific or like kind of like odd questions and they answer that. Mm -hmm. So I posed that to Callie and she thought it was a great idea. So the only premise I gave was like, hey Callie, you find three questions that you find online and I'll find three questions that I found online and we're going to talk about them and we're going to try to answer them. Uh, I'll go first because I, I have an ordinary question. How about that? Oh, I love ordinary questions. Great. So I found this question on Playbill uh, a few years back. They had this thing called, Hey, Johnny. And it was hey, stage Johnny. door Johnny who is uh, answering all of your questions on Playbill.com. Uh, and this one I found kind of interesting, actually. Uh, and it, it is a very sincere thing and a thing that a lot of people are insecure about. Uh, so here's a question. How important is the quote unquote Broadway body? I dream of one day singing and dancing my way to a lead role, but do I have a chance if I don't hit the gym first? Mm. And that's, that's something a lot of people are insecure about. I definitely was slash maybe am still a little bit insecure about that. Um, yeah. Even though I know I it I shouldn't be right. Yeah, it the the whole obsession with body image in our culture. I mean, it's everywhere. Everybody knows about it, but it's just something that's always an uphill battle for people who don't fit into that mold, right? Mm -hmm. That don't fit into okay. You're under two hundred pounds. You have to have a little tone on your arms or whatever. Your hair has to look a certain way. You have to make your makeup look like this or whatever. Um, and it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people. It affects um, everyone disproportionately. Um, females in our society, um, especially. Um, and we always, when we see people who don't fit that mold, and they're on the big screen and people applaud them and they, we, they support them. I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. But I also think to myself, how unnecessarily hard was it for that person to get there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we cannot change as a society. We can definitely change it. We can be um, less shaming of people's bodies, you know? I think it's more likely now for someone to make that. Um, I think it'll become more and more likely as the years and months and as time progresses that people become hopefully more open-minded and see, oh wait, your body image, your your body doesn't dictate um, how fantastic of an actor or singer that you are, you know? Uh, what do you think about that? I think... Uh... There is something to be said. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's something to be said uh, for 
participating in shows at that level at Broadway um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, even regional or off-Broadway, I've been told that it's completely individualized, so do not compare yourself to anyone. But there is something to be said that you have to be your, mm, for lack of a better term, Olympic best, but your Olympic best, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's just because of the demand of the show. It's not so that you can look hot to get a role. Mm -hmm. It's so that you can do the role eight times a week, you know, Mm -hmm. and not get sick and not Mm -hmm. get injured. Um, So there is something to be said about that. However, it should not dictate your personality. All this body type issue is a scam. It's, it's lies because people can mm-hmm. be extremely healthy. People can work out like every day and it's just how your body looks. So yeah. don't think about it on looks, first of all. So long as you bring your soul into that audition room and bring your authentic self not trying to be anyone or anything and living out your truth you will get hired and you will get seen so Mm. like that other stuff that superficial stuff that should not even you shouldn't even have time to think about that because you should just Mm. be focused on bringing yourself and bringing this gift of you and your existence so. Yeah, I, I'll say I agree with you 110%, Callie. I don't think if you're a person who's struggling this, I don't think your hard work and worth ethic needs to change. I think society needs to change. I think the people who are doing that casting and stuff need to change because there is a high expectation um, when you're performing eight times a week. But if they're basing it off of their eyes rather than like their ears and stuff mm-hmm. or the, you know past what someone's body looks like you know we that's something that we should be very cognizant of um i think to um the classical orchestra world that they do blind auditions people go behind a mm. curtain or whatever and they hear 100 people a day and they don't know what they look like they only have the resumes and make comments they're like okay we want this person blah 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 right yeah i think the question is just like the norms right the societal norms and and being that quote-unquote conventional hot body broadway body um i will say Broadway, it, we're starting to kind of creep into more inclusion and not fitting those standards. And mm-hmm. like, I saw Jagged Little Pill, and I have to say, it was the first time that I sat in a theater and looked at the stage and said, This is what my community looks like. Mm-hmm. It was people of all different types of backgrounds, all different shapes and sizes, all gorgeous in their own ways and they were also individualized and they they made the show so that their own personalities can come through and that they're not you know some someone else or some standardized Mm -hmm. version of something Mm -hmm. and so i wouldn't even worry about it yeah i'm gonna start with a pretty introduction introductionary one okay this one's small this one's small 
if you lie about being an actor, were you just acting and therefore telling the truth? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me reread this. There's a lot to take in. Okay. If you lie okay, yeah. about being an actor, mm -hmm. were you just acting and therefore telling the truth? <laughs> Let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. There's okay. a few layers to that, isn't there? There's a few layers. So let's say I come, you come up to me, Callie. Okay. And you say, say, hey, Adam, how's it going? Hey, Adam, how's it going? And then I say, good. And then you ask me, are you an actor? Hey, Adam, are you an actor? And what if I'm actually an actor? It, it, instead of saying... If I'm not actually an actor and I say, yes, I am, now I'm acting. D does that therefore mean if I wasn't an actor before, am I an actor now, you know? Right, because you're, you're lying that you're... But what if I'm not lying? Well, I'm just acting really well, you, you know? What if my character <laughs> motivation... <laughs> my character lies about their profession but me as an actor right y you know see where this gets complicated for me though is because the question also says are you telling the truth well isn't the whole point of acting to be able to tell the truth mm -hmm. you come and you're like hey you are an actor but you're not an actor mm-hmm but then you're acting because you're lying. But then yeah. you're making it seem like you're telling the truth, which is the mm -hmm. principle of acting. I think what this person is trying to do is to fend their actions. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think this person felt bad about lying about being an actor and therefore justified it in their head. It's like, no, I wasn't lying. I was just acting. Maybe this person had an epiphany. Maybe this maybe, person had an epiphany. Yeah, maybe they felt bad for lying and then they suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I'm a brilliant actor. I totally pulled that one off. They totally believe me. Okay, so I'm going to point out something that you said, right? Acting should be the highest level of truth, right? We want to be truthful when we act. Yes. But isn't theater the suspension of reality and therefore the suspension of truth? Is this suspend is reality and truth the same thing? Well, that's the thing, right? If I look at my bang energy drink <laughs> and I say this is a cantaloupe, that's not the truth. And I am not grounded in reality. Reality, real, realistically, this is a bang energy truthfully this is a bang energy but truthfully you could believe that that is a cantaloupe as well that goes into um psychology that i am not qualified <laughs> to talk about all right so what what what's our answer so to this is, the, is this person an actor yes or no i think if this person wants to be an actor yes but lying in if you're lying off the stage, 
you're still an actor, but you're lying about being an at Wait, now that per okay, so now we have to kind of separate the two things. Sure. Before being an actor and after being an actor. I'm not, you know, I wasn't five years old and I wasn't a teacher, okay? Mm -hmm. I was five years old, but I wasn't a teacher. I could say I want to be a teacher and now I'm doing all this teachery stuff, right? Okay? Mm -hmm. At five years old, I want to be an actor, okay? I can act. Does that make me an actor? What is the line between someone who is acting and someone who is an actor, okay? Yes. Uh, the, I, I'm going to counter this, and I think everyone shows performance in their lives at mm -hmm. some point. I mean, 100%. You, do it, you do it when you teach, you know? People do it when they have to give a presentation. People do mm -hmm. it when they, people do it when they uh, get dinner with their friends and they're telling stories. I mean- But isn't that public speaking? Well, okay, so where's the line between public speaking and acting and being an actor, all right? You, you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? I because think we we're- Because we put on a persona no, no, this is what this episode was for, Kelly. You can cut as much, but I'm going to get into it till we find a dang answer, okay? You can cut. I'm on Bang Energy right now, not sponsored. We can talk about this all night, and I have another Bang Energy in my fridge, so when I have to get up at 4.30 tomorrow to teach the youth of America, I'm going to have another Bang Energy to get me through the day. Now, what's the difference between <laughs> acting and an actor. Welcome to the Broken Arm Podcast, everyone. <laughs> Truly broken. Truly oh. broken. Um, I think that we have gone far beyond the reaches of a single onion, and we are in a bucket of onions on an onion farm. Because it has layers. Okay. So, is an onion an actor? No, an onion isn't an actor because it doesn't have any cognitive abilities. It makes people cry. It, that's a physical response. Okay, now we're getting to another thing. Do actors lie when they make themselves cry on stage? Uh, it. I guess it. That would depend on what mechanism they're using to cry to get that emotion. Are they doing emotional recall and stuff, right. or are they um, imagining how their character would feel during this and therefore getting to that baser emotion, you know? Right. In that sense, you're an actor because you're using acting techniques to produce an emotional response, right? Mm -hmm. If you lie about being an actor, were you just acting and therefore telling the truth? I'm going to say you were still lying. But what if this person is an actor and they're actually like, am I lying? Or am okay, I this is actor? Schrodinger's cat right now. You know, the cat is both in and not in the box. Or is it dead? Both, it's both <laughs> dead and alive right now until we open. And I have a cat. I don't like to talk about dead cats. All right. But... Until we look this person in the face, we won't know the answer. So I'm coming from this point as if this was an actor, they would know better. 
if this was an actor, they would be like, no, I was lying. If you lie about being an actor, if I lied about being an actor, were you just acting there for telling the truth? No, because you, the subject about that is yourself, right? If you lie about being an actor, were you just acting and therefore telling the truth? No, because you're not an actor, because you intentionally know that you are lying when you said that. Therefore, we have this logical fallacy here. Just, it's the idea of just because I say it's true does not mean it's actually true, all right? You can't take objective opinion and make it into objective fact, okay? You, sir or madam, are not an actor. You are a liar and shame on you for lying. <laughs> I'm gonna call you an amateur actor. I won't even call you that. We disagree. <laughs> this is the first time in the Broken Art Podcast history that we've disagreed on something this major. Ooh. Callie, you have 10 minutes of editing to do <laughs> around that. Yeah, that was, this, this answer is going to last two minutes out of like <laughs> a 30-minute conversation. Oh my gosh. Okay. Awesome. Your, your next question, please. Question two, round two. What have we done so far? We have said, society is wrong, work your hardest. And we've also said, actor, question mark? Mm -hmm. That's the first round. All right, let's go to round two. Uh, this is a question from uh, Meaningless in Manhattan. Hi, Johnny. This is from the same uh, column as before. Oh. Hi, Johnny. Uh, whoa. Whoa. Hi, Johnny. <laughs> hi, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Johnny. Hello. Hi, Johnny. Hey, hey it's Johnny. Me. Hello, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how can I feel meaningful in this world when I'm not on stage? Oh, the <laughs> voice? I just imagine a small person coming up to me and saying, Mister, how can I find meaning? I'm like, oh, little one. I feel such joy when I'm performing for an audience, but I, I don't feel needed in this world when I'm simply working on a Okay, the voice job. now doesn't <laughs> match the sincerity. Like, it's a weird, like, cognitive jump going from serious to funny to now, this is, this is a serious question. How do we keep our sanity in our oh my god! high when we are not participating in our passion? <laughs> What can we do to keep our artistry going when the only money we make goes towards rent and food? Please help. Many thanks. Meaningless in Manhattan. Okay, so. <laughs> I feel as though if your work is your entire life, then you don't necessarily have a life. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, because I used to be the same mentality too. It was like, if I'm not doing my craft, then my life is meaningless, okay? What does that do? That makes me lonely. That makes me lonely in one track. And if one thing professionally goes awry, then my entire life gets derailed, okay? Mm -hmm. Sincerely, that's what I think. 
because there's more to life than one thing, right? There's more to life than waking up every morning, going to work, eating, and coming home and eating, and then going to bed and doing it all again. There's so much time in the day. There is 24 hours, and we're probably awake for uh, 12 to 16 hours of those days, Maybe even more if you have a bad sleep schedule. But we need to make those hours count. And if you're thinking, okay, 16 hours a day, I'm living, I'm, I'm awake, eight hours of those if you're working a nine to five job, okay, now you only have like eight hours to, your, to yourself, you know, even less than that sometimes when you take into mind uh, commuting, other responsibilities, all, all of these things. Totally agree. I think that the only answer to this thing is just get away from it. Get away from it. Um, Especially in theater. Uh, I'm going to kind of turn this question into the anxiety that performers have, um, where they think that they need to be completely from top to bottom filled with the theater juices, right? They have to know all the things. They have to be able to sing all the things. They have to do the dance classes. And it's like, I have to do everything. And like, I'm the perfect theater student. I'm the perfect, like, whatever. Um, boring. Boring. Oh, my goodness. Ah. Uh, like, no one, like, totally uninteresting. Totally uninteresting from, from a casting perspective, uh, from just like a human, like, I don't want to be friends with someone who's, seemingly manufactured right mm -hmm. i don't want to cast someone who's seemingly manufactured I, I don't need that i need a person who has been through life and who is observant and who has opinions and you know has their own flow that they can bring to the table and not just like fill whatever they think that i'm expecting of them you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and so like God, I I used to have uh you know, I used to kind of be like that and and once I figured out that like I can go and like listen to music that isn't musical theater. <laughs> I can go and go for a hike. I can go and do yoga. I can go and like write contemporary music and just like get into that world. Mm -hmm. um, and that theater isn't everything. It's, it's not everything, even though there's such a pressure that it needs to be everything in order mm -hmm. to succeed. Boring, boring. Get away from that. Yeah. You, you people, we need to prioritize, right? We need to make sure that our work life doesn't become our entire life because right? that's how burnout happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to do well at your job, um, but you, we do need to realize that it is a job. Mm -hmm. It is a job. It was a hobby. That's how we usually all get into it. Theater or music or whatever starts out as a hobby or a thing that we like to do, an extracurricular, and it turns into our job. That doesn't mean we have to love it any less. That just means that the void of work is now filled by your hobby. And there's so many other things you need to do. I mean, I have so many close friends who are arts people, uh, 
music teachers, theater teachers, um, professional actors and actresses. They don't do that 24 hours a day. They watch football. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, you think I come here and I play on this Leonard Bernstein score to study it for fun. No, I was playing World of Warcraft for an hour, <laughs> like for crying out loud. You know, there, there's more things. Mm-hmm. And let me be clear, it is a-okay to love and live and breathe your job, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to come up for air and experience everything else. So life isn't meaningless without your job. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like it is, you need to reevaluate some things because mm-hmm. um, it's not that you're a bad person and it's not bad that you care so much, but I can tell you from experience when people are casting a show, we're not always looking for the person who wants it the most. Right. It's not about that. It's a person who brings it, who shows us yes. what they can do. We don't cast a person who wants it the most. Sometimes it is that person, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's not. I think the best way to think about it is focus more on discovering who you are separate from your craft, who you are, so that you can then bring that person into your craft and don't become the craft, don't become the work, become you and then see, oh my gosh, what is this relationship like? You know, how can... How can I meld me and like find out who I am and my individuality Mm -hmm. and how can I then apply it to my craft to make that craft a better place or to make Mm -hmm. that workplace, you know, better. Um, And I think, I think that's your answer. Yeah. Life is just as much uh, cognitive action as it is physical action. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're living in this headspace um, of, uh, philosophy and what music and, and theater and all this is what I need to be to do that. Okay, what are you going to do about it? And there's not enough hours in the day to do exactly what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So instead of fighting an uphill battle, read, all, read your favorite book for crying out loud. I'm reading the entire anthology of H.P. Lovecraft. I'm not sitting on my bed, you know, scoring through the score of Messiah each night. I did that a couple nights to go for fun. <laughs> I don't do it every night. I don't yeah. do it every night. Um, yeah. So I think that's, I think that's our answer. Great. All okay. right, Gib. What do you got? Round two. Round two. My turn. <laughs> I'm trying to decide. I have so many. I have so many. Um, I will be playing a villain in a play, but I'm just too nice. How can I get into an evil character without hurting anyone? We'll be performing this production after quarantine is over. Are there any acting suggestions you can give me in order to embody the evil character? Get lunch with your favorite villain. Ooh, I was going to say kick a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's evil. Okay. (laughs) Like a villain doesn't wake up and say, ah, yes, this morning, evil. You know, a bad guy doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's why uh, Killmonger is so great in Black Panther. That character is based on conviction, 
rather than, ah, yes, evil, evil at four o'clock, I say. No, their actions, while the root of it is good, the root of Killmonger is, oh, I want to take back what was stolen from my people for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. How did that manifest? Oh, by reverse colonizing yes everything but you know evil plus evil doesn't make good people do evil things and that makes him an evil person but we also have to realize okay that person isn't evil to themselves Mm -hmm. that person's like i'm not a bad person it's like i'm doing what i need to do to get stuff figured out and so when you're observing a character or you're creating a character for your fun little nerdy games like i do like what's this character's motivation why are they against the protagonist what makes them so diametrically opposed that they're that they end up in conflict you know when you think of like the structure of a plot you know you have Mm -hmm. your inciting mode the exposition right the the quote-unquote evil person or the villain also has that as well maybe it's not viewed in the actual show that you're in but you need to make those inferences and context clues that you find in there and if there's not any other source material you can make up whatever the heck you want you know maybe gaston maybe he had like issues with like his appearance growing up you know and so he you know he really went into his appearance and stuff and put this ego because on the inside he's very very fragile you know we don't that's not explicitly said in the show but we can infer from his actions and the actor who is playing gaston can make those choices i think uh villains are the best characters to play and Mm -hmm. i want to make a note that no matter how um fantasized or fictional or over the top you know this character is written as Mm -hmm. you can still play that and find their truth in that just Mm -hmm. like adam was saying um every single character in a show has an objective Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so even though it might not be written out um it's a villain is always always more interesting to me because it's so much more psychological and mm-hmm. it's so much more based on what has happened to them in the past and how they're dealing with maybe trauma or bullying or insecurities. Um, and so they're really the most fragile character in the show, um, as mm-hmm. you said. Um, and yeah. so they're deflecting as much as they can and, and they're, um, they have found their tactics to deal with it right Mm -hmm. and so that might be in the form of this like maniacal laugh that might just be like a nervous tick really Mm -hmm. and like it might be in the form of you know having a plan to to if you guys have ever seen the movie joker ah this is the perfect example if you want to learn about that psychology and what goes into um, a villainized character and kind of their psychology, Joker uh, with Walking Phoenix is spectacular. Yeah, listen to the interviews that he does and yes. how he talks about how he got into it. Um, also, another thing, 
be aware if like your show's a comedy like maybe you don't need to like think about it that much right you don't need like yeah. <laughs> it, that's fine yeah it doesn't have to be like this deep intellectual like <laughs> like if you're like in this comedy and you know it's based around like talking bunnies who like have chainsaws or whatever like you don't like they they the evil character doesn't need to be that in depth. Sometimes just, hey, how's it going? You know. Right, right. But regardless, you can still find whatever truth that you need in order to play the character right and as a villain, as the director has intended it for it to be played. Yes. Okay. Here it is. So I'm reading the title of the post and then what they actually wrote underneath it, okay? I star in the glass menagerie, but I don't know my lines. Please help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For four weeks now, I have been on stage portraying Amanda Wingfield in Tennessee Williams' acclaimed The Glass Menagerie. Here's the problem. I haven't read the play yet, and I don't know any of my lines. <laughs> I come from an improv background, so I've been skating by. Whenever I get stuck, I just yell, I am a Southern Belle and a tragically flawed character, which seems to work. My castmates are getting upset with me, though. Should I try studying my part? It's so hard to get motivated, especially since I recently had 17 gentlemen callers in a single afternoon, which is taking a lot of time to sort out. <laughs> this person has a lot going on. Uh, first and foremost, um, I would refer you to uh, the one of the most recent episodes of the Broken Art Podcast called Prepare! Prepare. oh my god you have a job you are no. hired you are chosen to be in this show do your job do your part doing that is selfish it's hilarious that you're oh my gosh this is so funny only because i am not working on this directly yeah if i was working on this directly i would probably have kidney stones by now if i was a director or your castmate Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my What did they God. say? I'm a Southern Belle and my I've flawed character. A tragically flawed character. And the tra I, I'm, I'm a Southern, Southern Belle, Belle and a tragically flawed character. I'm a Southern Belle and I'm a tragically flawed character. You know, Kelly, you said you would direct them to our last episode. I would direct them to the exit out <laughs> of the the theater for crying out loud. Um you are cast quick and you can be replaced even quicker mm -hmm. i but we're not talking about what should happen we're giving advice okay so here's the advice so a couple of years back i was in a production of our town by thorn welder and i was the part of the stage manager okay and there are times in the show where you talk for four pages. You talk for four pages and it doesn't let up and it is definitely indicative of the playwriting of the time. Um, but I was a young Zoomer slash, wait, old Zoomer slash young millennial. I still am. And it takes a lot to keep my interest. And I 
been a lot of bit parts before and like comedic parts so it's like oh yeah i can memorize this blah 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 but memorizing four pages of just talking about a cemetery <laughs> like <laughs> i get it memorizing lines hard very hard but it's a job you got to do i say if you're cramming you are going to need to do a lot you need to do a lot you live and breathe that script you're four weeks in um in a lot of cases you are almost to the halfway point of a production cycle at that point you are probably close to performing um de depending you could be far out far away and stuff you could have a 16 who, who knows what your situation is but four weeks is too late mm -hmm. if everyone else around you doesn't have their poop in a group if everyone else does have their poop in a group in your the torpedo right mm -hmm. we talked about in the be prepared episode that being prepared is also a gift to the community that you're working with right yes so have that weight have that guilt on your shoulders and you live and breathe that script until it's memorized until what you yeah. need to have memorized is memorized uh some tips and tricks uh really quick to help people memorize things fast uh you can write them out my personal favorite is to uh, record the other people's lines in the scene and then leave space for you to say yours and have your script on you and so you'll play back your recording and you'll hear blah 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 Right. And that's where you say your line. Um, oh my gosh. I never thought of that. And, uh, and, and, and it's a really quick check. If, if you get a word wrong or something, then you can just rewind it and start over again and do it until, until you're right. So that's, that's the fastest way that I, uh, memorize lines. It's really easy for me to do. Uh, everyone's different, but have your method of memorizing, you know, uh, what else can you do? What else can you do? You can, uh, just, read them some people i'm i'm such an old-fashioned kind of way my brain like you can't take any shortcuts with my brain like mm -hmm. I, I i can't tell you how many hours i've spent on the internet looking for like different studying tips or like memorizing tips and stuff literally it, it works for so many other people my brain is like i just need to look at it and read it over and over until i get it right uh advice don't be don't be an actor <laughs> you're probably just it's not you know go do your improv stuff i i feel like you're pretty good at that since you said you know you have some you have some uh experience in that um don't be a scripted actor yeah uh, reading your thing was funny like you you're a funny person I think do improv, you know, like yeah, or maybe do some birthday parties. Or maybe this like maybe this part isn't for you either. You know, maybe you're not feeling connected. Like if you're like an improv person and this is very comedic, like do like character role stuff. Do you know, do comedy, you know, do some stand-up. Like there's so many other options. But for this show for how frustrated people are at you at this point like like reconsider some things 
Next question, all right, you ready? Yes. Are there too many actors in the world? What is the point of trying to become an actor when Hollywood already has an endless amount of actors trying to make it? Same with fashion and lifestyle bloggers. Why in 2020 would you start a fashion blog? At this point, what outfits haven't already been done or tried? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because 99% of the people who are fighting right now for those spots are going to not be eventually. Mm. You know, there's that chance. But it's also not just because of the competition. You don't go into it because of the competition. You hopefully are going into it and should only go into it for one reason and one reason only, and that is your love for it mm -hmm. and what you think you can say with it as an artist yourself. You know, mm -hmm. I, you should be going into it um, to try to make the world a better place. And if yeah. And if you think that your message is worth fighting for, then you fight for that and, and you keep going and that's what motivates you. Yeah, I think we all have, when we're first entering a career, a vocation, if you may, we always want to be whatever the top of that career is or the exception to that, right? Mm -hmm. um, for, for me, if I was you know, a choir conductor, right? And the first thing you think of is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the next Robert Shaw. I want to be the next Robert Shaw or Andre Thomas or Leonard Bernstein. I want to be all these different kinds of people, right? Mm -hmm. But only those three people out of the thousands and thousands of other people, you know, got, got to be there. But you don't see all those other people just dropping out, right? I really like the quote that you brought up a couple weeks ago of, from your choir days, achieve excellence, but strive for perfection. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that's really important because you're, you know, the Midwestern idea that we talked about last week is like, the person next to you is going to be better. There's always someone who's working harder than you, right? And if that discourages you, discourages you enough, maybe you shouldn't do it. But also think about it. It's okay to feel discouraged. But like, what are you going to do about it? There's this great um, book that I've never read personally. It's about um, David Letterman and getting the Tonight Show, right? Um, at first, he didn't get the Tonight Show. And he was talking to his longtime producer. And he was, he was complaining about it. And the producer looked at him and said, it's not enough to want the Tonight Show. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. That's literally the quote on my calendar board. I look at that quote every single day because it's not enough to like want something. What are you going to do about it? Because there's so many other people that want the same thing. And your only job is to feel fulfilled in the craft that you're doing. Do your best job, right? Mm -hmm. If you compare yourself to others, it can serve as a great motivator and you can feel really inspired and you can learn so many things. But if you, think that everyone else's success is your failure you need to switch that around because that's not sustainable yeah i think just stay in your lane if you love it do it yeah. but stay in your lane don't worry about what everyone else is doing uh you'll see 
people pass you, you'll see people fall off the cliff, you'll, you know, you'll see people who are right next to you for years and it will bug the crap out of you, but you're not in competition. Don't look, don't look side to side, just stay in your lane and fulfill what your heart as an artist needs. Here's this next question. Here's the title and then I'm going to read what that person had underneath. Actresses that flare their nostrils while acting? Question mark? <laughs> I've noticed that there's an acting technique where actors and actresses will flare their nostrils when acting as an acting technique. Can you give examples of actresses who flare her nostrils when acting? <laughs> I personally, this is the only way I can get <laughs> into a character. Technique. It's the only way I can get into a character. You really have, you know, we talked a lot about living and breathing for yourself and for your character and the work. Well, <laughs> the best way to get that air is if you, you know, force your mechanisms open. So you got to flare those babies, breathe in the character. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you will be a brilliant actor. You're focusing on the wrong things. That is hilarious. <laughs> Your nose? Yeah, people flare their nose. I was like reading like some of the responses that people left. And some people were like giving like other actors that did this. Other people were also talking about how it was like it was an annoying like character take. Other people thought it was like it was a very in-depth sort of way to embody your character by flailing your nostrils. Listen. How many people are doing this for you to go on Yahoo? I, I don't like I don't care like what's happening here. I care about what's happening above your nose and under your nose. What are you doing with your mouth? Your smile, what are you doing with your eyes and your eyebrows? I, you, you know, it's like you have to use your nose, like when you're acting, like, hey, act like you're smelling something. And you can flare your nose then. <laughs> or like, act like you're better than everybody. Okay, now your nose is slightly up. Or like, uh, put tape on your nose and like, oh, you look like that. Like, for like your production of Three Little Piggies or whatever, you know? But, I don't, it's not an acting technique. I, I think it's just indicative of whatever you're performing, like whatever you're doing physically, you know? I want to make it super clear that your nose should not be a second character of your person. You know, you shouldn't, <laughs> unless you're playing a bunny. Unless don't, you're playing a bunny. Don't That's a good point. leave the, you know, don't fill the pauses with, uh, <laughs> you know what I just thought about? Morse code on your nose. What? Like, don't think about actresses like that you're watching if you care so much about nostrils. Like, watch Bambi. Like, I think those are like the most expressive noses that Disney ever animated. I will say, though, I am noticing your nostrils a lot now. <laughs> oh. Like I said, I think that they're indicative of the physicality and the facial expression that everyone what that person's doing because you know like if your nose nose is flared that indicates a couple things right you're smelling something or 
like you're trying to do like an angry face or whatever, or you're an excited face or whatever. Like those are just a reaction from what the recipes are. Like you can't express joy just by having a blank face and doing this. Mm -hmm. well, if I do this, you know, then that means something, right? You won't know unless I use my eyes or my face. Yeah, the only uh, time that you should be intentionally flaring your nostrils is if maybe you're uh, being forced to act in front of a camera of sorts because you're being held captive and you're, um, you're needing to read this script. Like, yes, everything is fine, but you can be like signing Morse code as you're saying. That is the only time. That is real. Okay, so that's very interesting. There's this show I like called Homeland. And H Homeland season one, spoiler, I think if you're still interested in watching Homeland after it's been on for like seven years, I don't know. There's like this point like where this person, where the CIA officer thinks that this vet might be like a spy from like this insurgent, insurgency terrorist group or whatever. And the person's like moving their thumb in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. And so like maybe maybe you're right maybe if you are in a sense of distress maybe doing oh maybe that's what the thing is maybe if you're like doing an excessively small movement maybe that indicates something to someone that oh maybe something's wrong see now there's a deeper psychological level that we didn't consider before well we and before. and now we're actually getting into uh are they doing it intentionally as a character tick or is it an actor tick that they aren't aware of that they need to get rid of. Yeah, because I think it could be an effective character tick if that's how you acted, you know? Mm -hmm. It could help someone who's nervous and maybe their nervous tick is their, excuse me, maybe their ner nervous tick is their nose flaring mm -hmm. all the time. But if it's like an, like an unintentional thing, then that's something that should be like, hey, maybe check this out. Hey, have I ever uh, shown you how my nostrils look like? Okay, you know that SpongeBob episode? Oh, they look. Um, <laughs> I know what they look like. <laughs> where uh, the hash slinging, the bash making, the bash slinging, the hash slinging slasher. My nostrils <laughs> look like the hash slinging slasher. And those uh, of you, if you're listening right now, hop on YouTube and I will show you guys. Um, so you know that scene when it's all dark and and there's goo on the walls and the phone rings and then he shows up and whatever. Mm -hmm. Literally. imagine like a tiny <laughs> like a tiny hand that comes out and it's like With the spatula. I brought my spatula <laughs> are you guys hiring <laughs> that's an episode I should watch that's an episode if I'm not great alright the question is how do you make the crying noise sound natural and not forced when you fake cry please question mark I need to actually make a loud <laughs> kind of noise when I'm fake crying and really vocalize it, parentheses, not just shedding tears alone. But 
how do I make this noise sound natural and avoid it sounding completely fake and forced, please? Question mark. Did they write out ha 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 ha? It is literally, quote, ha dash ha dash ha dash ha dash ha <laughs> exclamation point right uh, right quotation mark. Wow. Um, so I use my own acting flair to do that. Um, so whatever I just did, uh, do that. Do that. <laughs> we'll give you some examples. Okay, ready? Yeah, ready. That's if you get pepper sprayed um, and you're from Candyland. All right, here's the next one. <laughs> That's if you're um, a man child who lost his toy. Oh, okay. Um, okay, okay. okay, okay. Here's this one. <laughs> That's like, do you remember that old vine of like, I think his name's King Batch, I think, whatever his name is, B-A-C-H, like Bach, except, yeah. He has this vine of him like tripping and spaghetti falls out of his pocket. That's what that reminds me of a little bit. <laughs> okay. So like that would be if spaghetti fell out of your pocket. Right? Okay. Next All right, one. Here's the last. Here, 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 here's one more. Here's one more. <laughs> and that's if you're playing Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you so much. This has been another really interesting episode of the Broken Art Podcast. Callie, where can they find us? You can find us at Broken Art Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, <laughs> all the podcasting sites. This episode... <laughs> It's the most dysfunctional piece of media we've ever produced and will put out into the universe. This should not be going up, but hey. We're both very, very tired and yes. we needed to record an episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can find us at vote.org. Uh, you can find us. Uh, yes. Um, but Find us at Broken Art Podcast, wherever uh, you are finding your things, your podcasts, your social medias. And just a reminder, please go vote. Uh, make sure you're registered to vote. Please make your ballot count. Make your voice count. We need you now more than ever. If you also need PPE, if you are a singer, if you are a teacher, and you need uh, those choir rehearsals, man, come and order yourself some singer's masks from New York City. Uh, we can get you hooked up. So email us at brokenartpodcast at gmail.com. All right, everyone. As always, please take your broken heart and make it into art. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>